Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, today we have Jin Han, who is starring in Mortal Kombat as Shang Tsung. And, you know, it's, it's great. I, I had a, I've seen the movie, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. How do you approach a guy like that? And uh, you're actually the second Shang Tsung I've talked to, because I talked to, you know, Kiri Tagawa a few years ago, and he was the original Shang Tsung in the movies. So how do you approach him? I, I spoke to Carrie a couple of years back as well, I think. No and, kidding. Uh, I believe it was a, at an Oscar party, if I'm not mistaken. But obviously, I mean, I had no clue that I was going to be doing this a few years down the road. Otherwise, we, we would have a nice uh, tete-a-tete or, you know, conversation about this. Um, I am a big fan of the movie from the from 95 and obviously love the, you know, Carrie's you know, monumental performances. It's so iconic and so me- memorable. Um, so the way to start on this project <laughs> is you pretty much have to just suck it up, you know, and, and, and gather as much gumption as you possibly can. And obviously with the help of Simon McCoy and Greg Rousseau, you know, we crafted a character that was, of course, reminiscent of all the iterations of uh, Shang Tsung. It's not just Carrie's because over the last, what, almost 30 years of, of uh, Mortal Kombat lore. Uh, you have had various people doing it and voicing it and playing it. And so we wanted to find something that captured the spirit of it, but still had something new to offer, you know, the, the new gamers, the new generation of gamers and uh, honor those, you know, gamers who have been with us for, for all these years. And then at the end of the day, uh, really, you know, you just pretty much have have to uh, get on with it <laughs> and hope, that, you know, that some of it sticks and lands with, you know, with, with the fans. Sci-Fi Talk continues, so stay tuned. I'm one of the older gamers. I've been playing it for many years and enjoyed it. And I thought the movie captured the flavor of the game very much so. And there were some lines that gamers are going to recognize that are for us. And we totally appreciated that. The scope of it seemed bigger than the other film. I mean, everything, the sets and everything looked huge. Talk about that aspect of it and kind of playing in that huge playground you had to play with. Well, Simon is such an interesting director. I mean, he, uh, you know, he wants to shoot everything in, in camera. And, and, you know, part of the allure of shooting everything in camera is... But, you know, I mean, you, you have to eschew some visual effects shots for practical effects, you know. So with the practical effects, basically, you then have to build these sets or you have to go on location. Unfortunately, we are in this part of uh, South Australia that had all the locations, <laughs> you know. We, <laughs> we'll take a plane ride out and, and then we're in the middle of Outworld, which was uh, uh, Lee Creek, right, which, which you know, was was so hot and forbidding and scorched and, and, and had, you know, little flames and, and gaseous substances shooting out from, from the ground. Mm. And then, you know, you come back and you go another hour out that way and you go to Mount uh, Crawford where the, uh, original, scene, uh, the original scenes uh, of uh, Hanzo Asashi and Bihan fighting, that, uh, that totally, you know, can take the place of, uh, you know, a, a pine forest in Japan, for example. So um, it, it was a, such an interesting place to be. 
uh, because it afforded us all of that stuff. And then on top of that, we, we did build a, a fair amount of uh, uh, impressive sets as well. But I think, you know, the, the, that's why you feel the scope of it, you know, in such a visceral way, because I feel uh, Simon has done, uh, you know, quite uh, an impressive job just basically shooting things in camera. Yeah. I think what's really impressive to me is really watching the movie. Not that I didn't think about it before, but there's so much of, of Asian mythology that is in this movie. And I really dug that. I thought that was really cool. And the opening sequence in Japan, obviously not really there, but oh man, it was so cool. And the, and the martial arts and everything was just through the roof. I, it's just that there's so much better stunt teams now than there were in 95. Yeah, so talk about that aspect that for us Westerners, we got a little glimpse of the Asian culture, but just enough to whet the appetite. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think this merges and marries, you know, the best of both worlds. Really. Yeah. You know, what you have is, is the lore and, you know, a lot of the uh, very uh, recognizable tropes and recognizable even weapons, for example, uh, Kung Lao's killer hat, you know, has has an iteration in in something called the Shibitsu, which is a, a hat, which, is a, which can be thrown and beheads people in Chinese martial arts novels. I mean, I grew up with that. I read that, <laughs> you know. So you have all of that stuff. And then you have all these actors coming in with all their amazing training. And, you know, someone like Hiroki Sonata, who literally is such a, a master at, at swordplay, bringing their craft to it. And then, you know, you bring that together with the kind of stunt technology, basically, you know, with ratchets and wires and, and blue screen and visual effects stuff, and you kind of put it together and you get this, you know, you get this really otherworldly kind of uh, feel. But uh, with the DNA of Chinese, you know, uh, history or Asian martial arts history are kind of woven into all of it, you know, uh, but it's still, you know, ultimately a fantasy. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's, uh, it's great. What a great cast, too. I mean, such wonderful diversity in this movie. And it's just, man, that was, it's nice to see that. I kind of look for that in all my movies nowadays. And it was just nice to see all these different representations and how they all mesh together. Sometimes they got along, sometimes they didn't get along, but, <laughs> but that's the fun of it. You know, it really was cool to see that. Yeah, comment on that aspect. And uh, I got to give uh, you know, director credit for, uh, you know, for going along those lines, too. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, the, uh, you know, the Simon and, you know, the, the producers and, you know, the studio, uh, I'm, I'm glad they all bought into the idea that this, this will work if we had that kind of diversity, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, nothing forced, but something very uh, natural, you know, to this kind of uh, genre of films. I keep thinking of movies like The Magnificent Seven. Right? Mm -hmm. I keep thinking of movies like The Guns of Neveron. Yes. Know, I mean, my, my favorite films from that era <laughs> where, you know, a group of disparate, you know, people have to come together and overcome their differences and do that and achieve a goal. And obviously, the world has become a much bigger place. So when we say a group of disparate people, we have to mean people from different cultures and countries, and you know, because that the world is a different place from when it was uh, 50, 60 years ago. So I mean, it was it was so interesting to have 
that kind of uh, difference. You know, I mean, when we when we came together, it felt like an Olympic village. You know, and it was, <laughs> it was it was just you know it was it was delightful because you have someone like Tadanobu who brings with him a certain stoicism that's so Japanese, and then you have Max coming in from Germany, even though he's Eurasian. I mean, he has a history. You know, his parents are like in classical music, and, and <laughs> Joe, who's who's a judo champion, and then you know uh, Lewis, who comes from a a, a her- heritage, you know, of, of of stunt people. His father, you know, it was such a a communal affair. You know, I mean, normally when I'm you know on, on a Hollywood film, it, we, we all pretty much. Come together. We do the film. We go back to our trailers. Mm. <laughs> we're on our calls. You know, we do our thing. But you know, I found that uh, we were we were really like a family. You know, we we sat outside our trailers. We would welcome anyone into our places. We had so many meals together. We ate so much. You know, in fact, I joke that we we ate our way through Adelaide pretty much. You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, Sydney. Uh, you know, but th- that was that was the experience that we had on this film. That's good. You know, special effects. I mean, now of course, digital effects are state of the art, and certainly for Sub Zero, it's kind of necessary, and, and it worked really well. But you had to deal with special effects a little bit. What was that like for you? I don't think I ever recall you dealing with that many effects. Maybe on the uh, second Independence film, but that's about it. Independence Day. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, now the movies are are so interesting, right? I mean, I think the, the effects now are are to a, a level in which uh, they, they're almost, you know, uh, un, unperceivable, you know, imperceivable, in, yeah, non-perceivable. Yeah. Uh, for example, I keep thinking of the movie, I think it began around that time where you have Castaway, right? And, and a lot of the visual effects you know, of, of, of the waves lapping on the shores or taking away of the, the other islands in the background. You know, I, I didn't even realize that there were so much uh, visual effects. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of the movies that are done in the past few years happen like that. So Skyscraper, for example, a movie that doesn't overtly feel like it has that many effects, actually has a lot of effects, you know, but it feels like we're, you know, we're in a, in a real space and we're shooting that. Uh, with real uh, props and, and and helicopters and things like that, but it, the thing about Mortal Kombat again, you know, I think what was exciting about Mortal Kombat was that uh, we the visual effects were there, but you know, I, I think that the fighting the fighting is real. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. You probably feel that the bone crunching stuff, the real stuff, the wire work. Yes, it's there. You know, but, you know, it's not, uh, it, it, it boggles the mind for me when I see someone like Max Huang, you know, and, and all his, you know, he can jump in the air and rotate twice, you know, before he lands. That is without wires. So, you know, I mean, I think it's really, you know, I, I think, yes, there are a lot of visual effects in this movie, but I would say that there, there really isn't that much I had to deal with uh, more than the other films I've worked on. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolado. I mean, you're, you're right. The martial arts in this film are state-of-the-art. It's amazing, uh, the stunt work and, and the teams that were working and, and the actors, what they did. And uh, you know, I think Lewis is, uh, 
is on the brink of stardom. I think he has a definite presence on camera. And I really enjoyed his work. And, you know, grounding it with his family was so important, I thought, to really, you know, get you to connect with the character and what he was going through, to kind of find himself. And that's such a good theme. Uh, but I think he's, he's going he's gonna to make some waves. Yeah, I, I think that that is, you know, that family, you know, with Matilda and Laura, you know, I mean, I think they're, they're, uh, they're such a tight unit. And, and I think the casting, you know, did, did such a wonderful job. When you look at it, you can totally see the family uh, in, in there. But, you know, I think one of the appeals of Mortal Kombat is definitely this aspect of it. And apart from all the fatalities and incredible catchphrases and stuff, it really <laughs> is about... Uh, these warriors, right, finding their arcana. And their arcana is basically their special uh, power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I know it's, it's couched in this fantastical terms, but in some ways, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a metaphor for our lives, right? I mean, we, we are all looking for our arcana. What is our special thing, you know? Is it, I mean, are, are we, will we be good surgeons or great accountants or the next American Idol? You know, I mean, any, <laughs> any, you know, version of this, you know, I think anyone would be able to identify with. And so I think the family was very, very important, uh, you know, to, to grounding us and then allowing us to then take it to really far off places, you know, with the rest of the film. The costume. Something I like to ask actors is when they put on the costume and the makeup is all in place. Does that really help you to find who to find him? And it's like, oh, there he is. I'm ready to go. That kind of thing. Yes, no, that that is so uh, that is so integral. I think that was one of the first things uh, you know we did. And you know, if from the outside it looks like a great indulgence, but the first thing they did was fly me out to Adelaide. That was before I had to shoot uh, for a day or two. And just in, within that day or two, it was just purely conversation, right? It's purely conversation with Simon McCoy. It's purely conversation with uh, Cappy Ireland, who did the costumes, mm. and Nikki Gooley, who did the, um, who did the, the makeup. The conversations uh, tend to go like this, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, this is who, what I want to channel, right? I mean, I, I think, you know, Shang Tsung is a little reptilian, but, you know, he needs heft. So it doesn't, you know, so, so he needs, you know, kind of a, a combination of these two things. And then, you know, with Nikki, it would be like, okay, so what is a person who's probably a few thousand years old? What does that do to a person's skin or skincare routine? You know, how, how much was he, how much would he moisturize, for example? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious, but, you know, even with his soul-sucking abilities, that was a real conversation. I'm like, you know, would he, you know, with, with taking in all these souls and energy and all these years, would his skin be almost porous, almost thin, so that you can see his veins? And we kind of, you know, agreed on that. And if you look carefully, you can see, you know, mm-hmm. his, you know, his veins going that way. And so those are the conversations that we have. And then they go, then they go work their magic, right? And then yeah. a, month, a month later, we fly back into Adelaide, we get fitted. And then, you know, you see it, you, you see it, right? I mean, you put it on piece by piece uh, because, you know, I mean, it's, it's so, uh, it, it, you know, it is so layered and we have the incredible shoulder, you know, the sh- shoulder armor, the chest plate. Yeah. 
bracelets and and everything. And and as you are putting it on piece by piece, and it takes a village, by the way, uh, you, start <laughs> feeling, you start coming into you start coming into uh, the character. It's it's very helpful. I mean, it's it's all very immersive, and it helps you kind of get into uh, character. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. Well, this is actually the third time we've talked now. We talked when you were on Arrow. The time after that was for Ghost in the Shell. And the, the first time we talked, you shared some great stories about, you know, working with Heath Ledger and what, was that, what that was like. And that amazing scene in Dark Knight where they're burning up uh, the, the money. And actually, the funny thing was the movie was just on. And I saw Batman rescue you or kidnap you again <laughs> just recently. <laughs> so it's like that scene is so amazing. But yeah, so it's always been a pleasure. Really admire your work uh, and and how you approach characters. Uh, you know, you add your, your own spin. And especially with this guy, you know, you could have easily mirrored the game a little bit, but I think you gave it your own style to it. And I thought it worked. And, uh, you know, and uh, hey, uh, there's... Uh, there's definitely room for more, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a this is a character that is, you know, what is interesting about characters like this? You know, I mean, with actors, and you've spoken to so many, right? I mean, we're always looking for a subtext. We are always looking for layers. We're looking for arcs. Sometimes is the trickiest thing to do is play a character where there are no no clear arcs. There is no clear understanding of one's motivation. So, for example, I mean, you, you're talking about the Dark Knight, and so, for example, the Joker, I mean, he will tell you three, four different origin stories of how he got those scars. You're, you're not clear about that. In That's the right. <laughs> and then, you know, I think for uh, a character like uh, Anton Chigurh, right, for example, in No Country for Old Men, nothing. You know nothing about him. You just know that he is a force of nature. He is so incredibly singular. And those kinds of roles are very difficult to play. So in coming back to Shang Tsung, you know, I mean, why does he do what he, he why does he do what he does? You know, I mean, yes, he is cursed with this thing where he needs to take souls to stay young and powerful. But his appetite for it goes slightly beyond that, even, you know. Um, and uh, why, why is that? And that kind of singularity, that kind of, you know, playing him as a force of nature, sometimes it's very difficult because the mind is a storytelling machine, right? The, the mind wants to put subtext and history and backstory and biodata and all that stuff onto the back of it. And I remember, you know, having this conversation with Simon, you know, and, and he, you know, he was so, uh, you know, insightful about it. And he's like, you know, I mean, this, this streamline it, you know, and it's just singular, right? And and that kind of stuff sometimes is uh, very challenging, you know, to. Yeah. The impression I got about him was that he thinks his team, the people that fight for him are the best and everybody else is inferior to him. And it's like, how dare they challenge what we have? So it's arrogance, maybe, but also extreme confidence. And he thinks he's right. Everybody else is wrong. So, I mean, that's, that's, how, he, that's yeah. how he gets through the day. There's no, no conscience there at all because he knows he's the best. Yeah. So that's the way I looked at him. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're onto something.
Uh, yeah. So I, I did see that uh, that COVID protocols and the credits were followed. How was that? Uh, was that impact your shooting at all? Uh, it was so interesting because we when we shot in Adelaide, you know, it was such a, a, a adventure for a lot of us. I mean, uh, you know, we we all came from different countries. We came, we you know, there was such a you know, we, we, on our off days, we'd explore that part of South Australia, go to the wineries, we'd have dinners together. And, and then by the time we came back and, and did the, that, the, the pickups in Sydney, it was a different world that we lived in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember this being, you know, I mean, this is such, such an interesting thing because we, we were all flying in from different places and we were all having to quarantine. Uh, yeah. Some of us were quarantining in Brisbane, some were quarantining in LA, some of us were quarantining in Sydney, but all of us were quarantining. So we were basically in our rooms for, for the two weeks uh, leading up to the shoot. Um, but um, what was lovely was, you know, I mean, even then, you know, we felt like we were part of a, a family, you know, and we would be either Zooming each other or FaceTiming each other, you know, just to let us know what we were having for lunch, dinner, or breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we finally uh, reconnected in Sydney, I mean, the, the feeling, it was such a collective sort of relief and, and, you know, that we were together again. But the protocols were very, uh, you know, they were very uh, structured. I mean, yeah. we had to do two to three tests a week. Mm. Uh, the shooting locations were kind of organized in such a way where we will basically you have ground zero where the main cost is shooting and then you work your way out in terms of concentric circles and then as you're moving your way out then there there are different degrees of of uh testing and and uh compliance as you get further further out so i mean it was it was very considered i mean it was very structured and it was very organized so we we felt safe in in that environment but, but it is a different world, basically. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Believe me, I know. As far as what's coming up for you, I, I guess COVID kind of puts, a, a, you know, kind of pulls the brakes on all of us. But I'm busy. But do you have something that you're going to be working on or, or what's, what's ahead for you? Well, you know, I, I think the thing about COVID <laughs> is that I think it slowed everybody down. I think, you yeah. know, think uh and and i think you know you come to a point where you live in the present more than you know than than i think i've, I've had in the last 13 years right mm-hmm. i mean i i did in the dark night in 2007 and i basically haven't stopped you know and <laughs> just kept going and and so this this was quite a thing i mean it just kind of halted everything in his, you know, tracks and, and has allowed me to kind of be curious about other things, you know. So I, I am obviously thinking as a natural progression of, of the creative impulse uh, to direct next. Oh, nice. And, and uh, so I'm looking for scripts and I'm reading things and, you know, uh, and so I, I think that that has been a really nice uh, kind of a, a bit of redirection for me uh, in this in this time of COVID. But, you know, uh, I I have to you know, still staying fit and, and ready for, you know, when you get the call. And, uh, sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, really appreciate your time. Mortal Kombat, 
This was a fun movie, but not for the kids. Definitely not. (laughs) There's there's enough blood and the language. Definitely not for kids. But for gamers, especially gamers that are older or teenagers, yeah, definitely you're going to like it. I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. You you love so it's it's good. I think it stays true to to the lore. I think it stays true to the games. And you know, in this time and age, really, I feel. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a nice cathartic experience as well. If you're looking to just cut loose and let your hair down. And I'm saying that, obviously, uh, pun intended, because I, I do have very long hair in this movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, 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 I look forward to uh, the audience finally getting to see it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. And, you know, it's in the theaters and also on HBO Max, which is cool. And look how well King Kong did on HBO Max. So there you go. So. It's, it's not a bad option. Thank, thank you again. Stay safe. Just keep doing the great work. Uh, I hope to be talking to you many more times. It's always fun. Thanks so much, Tony. And thank you all for listening and watching and definitely Mortal Kombat coming to a theater near you and, and also HBO Max. Until next time, this is Tony Tolano. Bye.